0: Welcome to Managed Carecast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. This is Pat Salber, and it's time for my bi-monthly podcast for the American Journal of Managed Care. And we're going to talk about something a little bit different today. My guest is Sean Duffy, who's the co-founder and CEO of Amadi Health a company that has a mission to inspire and enable people everywhere to live free of chronic disease. And they do this by building building digital health programs that are evidence-based, performance-priced, and designed to delight users, that is right out of Sean's uh, website. And uh, just to let you know that it's not just me that's a huge fan of Omada. Fast Company has honored Omada as one of the world's 50 most innovative companies. Congratulations, Sean. That's one of the world's 50 most. That's pretty big. And the New York Times has called Omada, A Potential Medical Triumph, and Forbes has said it would be a blockbuster. And I'm loving all of this because, Sean, I, I, I'm sure you remember how we first met and you were demoing uh, a very early version of Omada Health at Futurebed, and you told me that you were on a leave of absence from Harvard M.D. M, MBA program, and <laughs> I almost fell on the floor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you, you, you've seen us from when we were a little itty-bitty.
0: I definitely did, yeah. And uh, so I'm, I'm delighted, now that you're big, uh, that you have time to join us today. Oh, and I want to sure. talk about an amazing opinion piece that you wrote together with Tom Lee and published in the New England Journal of Medicine titled, intriguingly, I think, In-Person Healthcare as Option B. So, Sean, can can you explain to our listeners what you what you mean by this? Yeah, absolutely. And so this this stems from just a
1: lot of thinking about, you know, how might you, if you were redesigning primary care or just healthcare from scratch, given today's technologies, concoct it. Um, And also, not just technologies. Importantly, the ways that humans now are using tech because it's changed massively and quite rapidly. And I think there's been enormous shifts over the past you know, five to 10 years in consumer expectations and how they use tech. And um, by, the, by the deliberately provocative title, in-person healthcare, op, you know, as option B, what um, Tom and I meant and, and you know, to highlight and challenge the world with is that I think digital uh, health and, you know, virtual visits and telemedicine efforts in large part in the U.S. healthcare system are viewed as a bolt-on where you've got an existing delivery system, you know, it's running operations as is, how might you, with some of those operations, create a digital visit or a digital version? And I think it's quite meaningful culturally and can pull innovation forward in the healthcare system if you flip that and say, all right, well, what if we as a system viewed in person as the thing that we only do after we've tried to see if we can solve that person's health need, get them to a great outcome really safely in accordance with their wishes, but do it on the other end of, end of an internet connection and, and kind of bring people in as needed. Um, so, you know, that, that's, that's really the core tenet of uh, the, the piece. And, uh, you know, throughout it, we kind of expand on if that, you know, if, if you created that world where that was cultural um, inside an organization, what might that mean for how care could be delivered?
0: So what you're actually doing is saying, let's let people get back into their lives again and build health and health care and wellness and all those good things right around them as they go about their day-to-day Uh, activities, which is pretty novel given that we've spent the last three or four decades telling people that you have to go to a doctor's office, wait in a waiting room, read old magazines, Mm -hmm. and then eventually get to see the doctor uh, who has probably not a really good understanding about what your life is all about at any rate. So I thought it would be helpful for people if you could describe what kind of virtual visits or ways of delivering care virtually currently exist? And, and just speculate a little bit about what you think might be available in the future.
1: Yes, yeah, so I would say there, there's Gen 1.0 is uh, gaining momentum in the healthcare system. And then I think there's some spotlets of innovation in kind of this next level of in-person as option B. Um, I'd say the vast majority of virtual visits happen to be ways of trying to recreate interactions that you might have with a clinician or a practitioner. But digitally, so you'll see, you know, telemedicine visits, Skype, you know, number of apps, number of systems have created their own versions of that using partners or developed internally using their capabilities. Um, you'll see a lot of messaging. So, you know, if you your, the one commonly quoted statistic is Kaiser saying that the majority of the visits are virtual. What they really mean is that um, when a patient has a question or a need. Uh, you know, more than 50% of those are done through really email or video conference. So that, that I think is great. I, you know, I'm not, I don't want to discount those as important aspects of the healthcare system. I think there's a future where um, you can, you know, leap massively beyond what currently exists. And and you do see glimmers of this where, uh, you know, Kaiser has some neat telederm experiments going on where as a patient, if you have a dermatology question, you literally you just take a picture, it gets routed appropriately. And then, you know, you have a follow-up on the other side of that moment of data collection. Uh, And, you know, I think that's where the world will go, where, uh, you know, I I believe that you as a person in the healthcare system, the moment you have a need could uh, really open the application experience on your phone. um, In the same way as if you're in a big organization uh, and you have a problem with your computer, you almost file a ticket. Uh, Based on what you submit as that need, the system could know what basic questions it needs to elicit from you, things that the evidence shows you would need to ask if you were in person as a clinician, and you'd go through that quite quickly. Um, Based on those answers, it would get triaged to the right expert. People would be included in this. It would be evaluated on, is there a need to get you in? Is this something that can be solved remotely? Do you need to actually talk to someone and kind of take it from there? Um, But the whole operations, all the efficiencies, all the technologies would be designed in a way that ideally we can solve your need amazingly fast without saying, all right, you need to take time off of work, come in and read that, you know, old magazine that you
0: mentioned. Well, it's really uh, something to look forward to. And I have had uh, experience. I'm a Kaiser Permanente member, and I've had the experience uh, of kind of a Gen 1 with a virtual visit for a, a renal consult. It was actually a telephone visit. And at first I said, wait, wait, you've never seen me. How are you going to do this? <laughs> and then I realized there was absolutely nothing about seeing me that would have helped the doctor. As a matter of fact, it was much better that she was sitting in front of a computer with all of my, I've got, I've been at Kaiser for my mm-hmm. entire adult career. So, um, so all my records were there. It was much better that she could sit there and look at that as she was talking to me. But it does raise uh, some questions. And, and uh, just quickly, if you could say, how do you see these visits being Triage. You mentioned that they were kind of go, going to go through a process, but who actually should make the decision about what kind of visit I get? Is that a shared decision? Is that a recommendation on the part of the healthcare system? And what kinds of visits probably should never be virtual outside of emergency department visits, which probably will never be virtual?
1: Yeah, I think there I think there will be a whole host where, you know, you, you really shouldn't have them, have them be virtual. You know, obviously the, the more serious, the more complicated, the more likely it needs to be immediately brought to in person. Um, What I would say is I think the calculus will evolve to a point where it's a combination of three kind of primary things, right? Patient preference. I think if someone really does want to come in as their preference, we, of course, have to take that consideration as a system. Um, uh, You know, I think increasingly the vast majority of people will want to, you know, get to a quick solution and the expectation won't necessarily be that that has to involve driving in, but they want to be cared for and attended to by the right clinical practitioners. The second is uh, really evidence-based. And, you know, when you amass large data sets on the answers to people-structured questions on the other side of alerting the need, and then you follow those answers forward to see what happened with the case, you can uh, really provide clinicians with strong decision support. And that would be the third leg of this tool, you know, clinical input from a licensed practitioner. And I think in in some instances, the patterns will be so obvious and so clear that uh, I think clinicians could, uh, you know, in a way, say that, all right, I'm willing to use my license in, in these permutations. Um, if someone comes through to do X, Y, or Z, uh, in others, I want it to be alerted to me, uh, and I'm going to make the call actively based on, you know, whatever the data is to support this decision, um, uh, you know, how to handle it, and, and, you know, and have the person at the end of the chain. So, I, you know, I don't think it's, this is not about bots deciding, oh, well, you should or shouldn't come in. This is about being smarter about identifying the need, and frankly, just putting the, putting the consumer and the person first, on you know, and saying, well, maybe maybe there's a way to get you to that answer and that solution even faster.
0: Yeah, well, that's great. There there are some things that come to mind, um, however, and that is. Uh, sometimes when you see patients, you need to get lab tests, and uh, you know you need to give them a prescription. The prescription, I think, is easier to talk about how it's been solved uh, with technology. But w- what about lab tests? How are we going to how are we going to get that blood test done?
1: Yeah, I would even I put lab tests uh, in the umbrella category of like any sample collection, right? So you know any any or, or or diagnostic need where you have to have obviously the person there. And my my vision for that is I think that. If, you know, imagine imagine if you're a system, um, the, the OPEX and capital investments required to create like actual proper clinics uh, across the city, is any city, any urban area is quite expensive. I think the infrastructure to create kind of small, um, uh, almost like sample collection data collection centers is far leaner. And you can imagine a world where, uh, you know, a Kaiser or a system could have like 20 different um, small corner areas where you could go in and get um, a phlebotomy if needed, you can go and get your throat swabbed you know you could go in and even get the data collected i don 't know for an echo you name it um, but it 's all done there, and as these systems and diagnostics get cheaper you could you could equip those centers with more and more and more um, but instead of you know having to find your way to the main center of practice ideally there 's a really quick location where you could pop in ideally because of the uh, numbers of these centers inside in the area, you'd be able to go in quite quickly um, and they'd be able to give, give you uh, you know, a rapid response. You might not even be, need to make an appointment because the folks that could staff that don't necessarily have to be MDs. They're people that are trained to collect the samples that are trained to use the equipment. So that, that's that's a bit how I imagine. I, I don't, you know, I think that sometimes in, The healthcare innovation world, you're thinking, oh my gosh, every single person at their home is going to have like, you know, a machine on their desk where they test their blood every day and it tells you everything. I don't think that that's a near term reality. I think the costs to justify that um, based on the need are not quite going to get there. Um, And also, I don't know if you've ever tried, you know, at home lab tests, it still can be a pretty gory experience and scary.
0: Yeah, I have to say, I had I had a friend over, so too, a family doc and me, an emergency physician, trying to figure out how to use the glucometer. Oh. Yeah, and who is going to prick their finger and you know, not oh move gosh. your finger before it happens. So yeah, you're right. It's not, it's not quite as easy as we think it is sometimes. I, I love the idea of having this distributed though, and more convenient and faster and not having to have it tied to an office visit.
1: It's like Bonobos the, too, where I don't know if you've seen that model where, um, you know, Bonobos is a clothing site. Um, they don't have retail outfits in the traditional sense. They have small pop-ups where you can walk in you know, trying the clothes, get sized. They're leanly staffed, uh, really cheap for them to operate. But then you don't actually buy anything there. It's just, you know, you get your preferences and immediately orders online and sends it to you.
0: Oh, that's great. Yeah. So you, so you know that it's the right size. It's not yeah. that thing that I have with online ordering when it comes, it's not the right size. You back and you oh, get I return one hundred percent
1: of what I order online.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm too tall and like
0: uh, but I want to I want to come back to this idea of you know removing things from the doctor's office because let's talk payment um, in the Kaiser system since we've talked about it where the doctors are salaried and they get performance ba- bonuses and outcomes are really important and patient satisfaction is really important in terms of how you're rewarded. Uh, I I think we shouldn't be surprised that Kaiser's been successful at implementing a lot of virtual visits, but how about in the fee for service world where a lot of what you do is tied to that office visit is tied to that person showing up in your office. So you can generate a, a, you know, a a healthy CPT code in order to get reimbursed for your time. Mm
1: -hmm. And I think, so I, my opinion is, I think the payment models are just getting to the point where this is possible. I think, you know, Five or six years ago, neither the tech or the payment models were suitable to make this drastic of a change. I, you know, you mentioned Kaiser. That's obviously an exception. Um, if you think of the average fee-for-service provider, in order to change operations and practice, they have to have some sense of contract alignment. So it's it's very tough if, you know, you've got half of your patient population under Medicare in more of a, you know, let's say your, your fee-for-service Medicare, and then, you know, maybe you have a sliver of 20% that's on risk with a commercial plan. Uh, you know, and the rest is kind of some permutation of of, of both. With alternative payment models continuing to bore forward with CMS, I think the providers can say, all right, well, I want to try to have contracts parity, to have my payer contracts in large part support the sort of uh, operations that I cult- culturally want to put forward. And, you know, you could have those support in-person healthcare as option B. I mean, because you have all the major health plans in the country. Um, are, are receptive and open and willing to strike value arrangements with providers now. So you can, you know, there's agency that you can have now as a provider to shape your own contracts so it supports the operational models you will create, you can create. And, and the smart organizations, and I think the ones that will differentiate, are going to realize that, um, uh, you know, at the end of the day, what, what you know, a provider to grow and to dominate and to be competitive in the market wants market share. And, and to, to gain market share, it's best if you can meet patient expectations and, and really deliver an incredible experience um, to do that. I think expectations have uh, evolved so quickly with consumers. Uh, and, you know, the idea that you go into your bank to deposit a check now is almost laughable. Um, yeah, Really? Like, it's like hard to even imagine doing that yet. That used to be what you did. I mean, you know, you used to like find a time to go into the bank and deposit checks. And so, A provider that does this right can change their operations, structure their payment contracts appropriately, and massively win the hearts and minds of their patients because the expectations of patients in today's world are to interact digitally, and and that will spawn competition and others can follow. So I I don't think payment can be a scapegoat anymore. I think we've hit that point where the payer world is willing enough to contract differently.
0: Well, it's all all very... Citing, and um, unfortunately our time is up because one of the questions. Maybe you can just give me a yes or no on this <laughs> one. One of the questions that I wanted to ask you is: we, you know, we had this big announcement from Amazon, Berkshire Hathaway, okay, okay. and J.P. Morgan that okay. they're going to do something to change healthcare, and I'm hoping they're going to do something on the delivery system side. And so my question is, Sean, have you have you given uh, Jeff Bezos a call and let him know about what uh, what you're suggesting
1: here? You have to report that we talked to just half an hour ago I know exactly what they're going to no just kidding. <laughs> 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 sorry sorry listeners I can't make the proclamation um, so my my point of view everyone has their own they've they've announced limited you know details here um my point of view is Amazon tends to like to try things out as a customer of their own right so AWS right that's their platform amazon.com is the biggest customer of their platform and they opened up to others a lot of people think buying whole foods is a way for them to have you know their own customer for a perishable supply chain that could be leveraged in other ways? My sense is this is no different. Where you know they're going to pull those lives—it's a million. That's not enough to like have any huge group purchasing leverage in the U.S. healthcare system, and they're too distributed. So I don't think their end game here is to try to like negotiate better prices uh, for drugs. Maybe that's a piece of it, but my my sense is they're viewing this as an experimental ground to figure out you know, how they might leverage their resources to take that next step of what they really do in healthcare. And I I don't think they quite know yet. That's my sense. But I think they're willing to learn and do it humbly. So I think something cool will come out of it.
0: Well, I hope so because uh, I would really like to see – uh, a right-sizing, a fixing of the healthcare system oh, in my lifetime. So I want to thank you very much, Sean, for um, joining us and for sharing your vision. And I uh, look forward to having a conversation again with you sometime.
1: Indeed, indeed. A pleasure chatting and thanks for having me on.